And it's really hard to create when one is living in a deficit mindset. Because if you think about it, if you're thinking about what's lacking, how can you be building and how can you be adding more? Breaking down this idea that it's either this or this, because in reality, it's really everything and it's all gray and it's all a spectrum and it's not this way all the time or that way all the time. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the 52 Weeks of Me podcast. I'm Jacqueline Osborne. And I'm Erica Brooks. This podcast is a platform for men and women to share their challenges and lessons they face throughout their journey toward achieving greater life balance through the four pillars of health and, of course, prioritizing the number one asset, you. Amazing. Let's get started. All right. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you here to help get us started. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, Jacqueline and Erica, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to, to be here with you both. I am Jessica. I live in Washington, D.C., where I have spent most of my adult years, have lived between here and Italy, and I am an executive and leadership coach and also run leadership development trainings for organizations. And now, have you always been a leadership development coach? I have had a career that was kind of intuitive. You know, I really followed what my passions were and what I cared about. And so I started just really with a love of language and a love of people. You know, I was an actress for many years and I'm realizing that love of acting was really connected to my love of understanding people and human behavior and understanding emotions because there's so much work that one does as an actor to step into the shoes of someone else. And then I started learning about how language itself is a whole nother door into human behavior and how we operate based on the cultural context in which we come from. The first kind of job that I had was living in Italy and teaching English. And then I came back to the U.S. and was working in an Italian company, actually, realized that I didn't really like doing work within the corporate sector. It wasn't really filling my cup the way that I wanted to feel fulfilled. And so I was able to find a role within international education. And so that international education role kind of brought together my love of humans and human behavior and people with my language experience and international experience and also my love of education and sharing knowledge with others and supporting them on their journey. And so that was the first leadership development program that I worked on in the space of international education. And that really started my journey within the leadership space. So it's been a very exciting, rewarding, and challenging process to be doing all of that. The jump from being corporate to being an entrepreneur is always so big and so scary. When you look back on it now, is there anything you wish you would have told yourself to either do it a different way, do it sooner or something else that would have changed the path a little bit? One thing that I would do differently that took some time for me to get to in my journey was really stepping into an abundance mindset. I think it's really easy when one faces a setback to go back into that scarcity mode. I don't have enough. What's going to happen if this doesn't work out? What's going to happen if that doesn't work out? And it's really hard to create when one is living in a deficit mindset. Because if you think about it, if you're thinking about what's lacking, how can you be building and how can you be adding more? And so it took a lot of my own intentional personal work to finally get to the place where I said, you know what? 
Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited about the journey. I'm excited about what I have to learn and I'm excited about what's possible. And when I was finally able after about six months to really get into that mindset, that's when the business started taking off. That's when clients started to come in the door. That's when contracts started to come in. So if I could go back and be able to step into that mindset earlier, I think that perhaps it would have saved me a lot of the heartache and pain that I went through in the beginning of the process. And now when we met, you talked about your time as a spiritual journey. And I'm just curious, is that kind of that point of finding that new mindset? Or is there more to it? And can you elaborate what you mean by a spiritual journey? It's a beautiful question, Jacqueline. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have grown up with an incredible mother who has always been a seeker, always someone who has been looking to grow on a spiritual and personal level. And so very early on, I've been exposed to the type of work that I'm doing now and the work that happens in, you know, it's always, it's always hard to find the right language to use for this context, which is all about what is our connection to the universe? What is our connection to what is beyond just ourselves? And for many folks that takes the form of religion, um, for many folks that takes the form of community, and for many that takes a connection to humanity and there being a life force greater than us. And so I would say that I've been been fortunate enough to have been on that journey um, since I was a teenager. And for me, there's not much of a difference between that spiritual journey and that personal journey as there is with our leadership journey. And I think that the work that we do as leaders is very much the same work that we do on our spiritual path and on our personal path. This idea of who we are and having a a sense of meaning and purpose, which are the type of clients that I want to work with who have that, that larger sense of meaning and purpose in the world, understanding that very much serves as a North Star, whether we're looking at that in terms of your personal journey and spiritual journey, or in terms of your career journey or your leadership journey. Coaching is the hot word. You know, there's so many people that classify themselves as as a coach. What makes you different? Where do you think you are unique in this space? I have certain strengths that attract certain types of individuals. Because what I think is really important about coaching is that not every coach is the right fit for every client. And so I wouldn't say that what I offer is unique or different. I would say that it's what's right and what fits for certain individuals. And it depends on who you are and and what you need at your point in your journey. And I would say that what I offer that I think really resonates with the clients that I work with is that I make people feel very seen and heard. And I have the ability to make people feel like they know me very quickly and very easily. And then the other aspect of what I would say makes people attracted to working with me is my positivity. If anyone's familiar with StrengthsFinder, my number one strength is my positivity. I am excited by the world. I'm excited by people. I'm excited by experiences. I'm I'm excited by learning. I'm excited by exploring. And I think that positivity is really contagious. And I think that that positivity also really helps folks in changing their mindset and reframing. Because when I'm able to help think them think things through through a positive mindset, I notice that there are some really big shifts that happen there. 
You've mentioned a couple of things that we've heard other coaches being, um, you know, involved in helping guide folks through. So there's transitions and making decisions about your career path. And with that comes this need for kind of vulnerability and, and making decisions that make sense based on getting to the core of who you want to be. Is that kind of your sweet spot? Is that you help people navigate transitions and decisions in their career? Or does it normally tend to extend beyond that? Like you start with your job, it ends up being bigger and deeper. A hundred percent, Erica. It's wonderful to hear that that's what other coaches are saying too, because often what folks come to you with is not what is at the foundation of what really needs to be worked through. And so, yes, the work definitely goes beyond just whatever the woman is coming to me with. But I would also offer up that oftentimes folks maybe think of coaching as it's time that I need to figure out what to do with my career, or perhaps, you know, it's um, something punitive that they're doing something wrong, that they need to change or do something differently. But I would say that leadership coaching is so much more expansive. And it's work that can support you at many phases that one might find themselves. One of the themes I hear throughout the session so far has been finding one's real identity. You keep talking about that throughout. I wanted to to pause on a minute and just dig into that. Can you explain what you mean by by real identity? You know, I would almost turn that around on you in a way. And this is me being a coach and I I don't I you know, I'll certainly answer the question, but You know, how many times in the settings that you've worked in in corporate America have you felt that you can't fully show up as yourself? How many times have you potentially been told that's not the right way to approach that? That's not the correct way to do that. And in reality, who's to say what the right way and the wrong way is to be a leader? Certainly, there are certain tenets of what it means to be kind, respectful, and supportive to folks. But whether you're an introvert, whether you're an extrovert, whether you're someone who's really good at creativity, whether you're someone who's really good at process, how can you know who you are and leverage those strengths rather than being told that the way that you're doing things is the wrong way? Especially as women, there are a lot of layers on us from society, from our family, from ourselves that unconsciously and consciously tell us that who we are is not enough, who we are is too much, and the way that we're doing things is not the right way. Mm-hmm. What I want for the world is for women to rise. And that sounds so cliche, but for such a long time, if you look back before what is kind of modern religion, you know, there was this identity of the wise woman. The woman was the source of intuition, the source of wisdom, and it has been patriarchal religion that has really shut that down and pushed women into two categories, the virgin and the old crone. And it has really gotten rid of the richness of what it is to be feminine and the wisdom that comes with what it is to be a woman. We're still expected to do all of the things that society needs as women in order to continue growing and flourishing but without the support of being able to be who we are. For me, real identity is very much about stepping back into that divine feminine that we all embody. I think that the idea of the lost femininity is kind of an interesting one to think about when you really study some of the older things, even in, you know, the Bible and the Old Testament, like there's just these these scriptures of these old wise women 
they have this intuition to them. And I think really when I, when we've had these really great conversations, a lot of coaches, what they're really trying to do is you have an intuitive voice. And what we've done is we've stifled that voice by either being told that we're bossy or that you're too much or, you know, something else where if we were a man, there would be a different reaction to it. And, you know, of course, the Taylor Swift song now is singing in my head. I say all this to come to a question. When you come to women that are like, well, this is the way I have to act. This is the way I have to be to be successful. How do you break that down and allow them to both take accountability for the responsibilities they have at work, but also be true to themselves? So how do you balance those two kind of needs? You know, there's the work and there's the personal and they can conflict really easily. It's really figuring out what is right for you and not feeling like you have to adhere to even these newer, more open-minded versions of what femininity and, you know, women's empowerment might look like. So I would say that it's really giving them the permission to see that there's not a right way or a wrong way of doing anything. And I would say that that is a majority of the work that I'm doing with all of my clients is breaking down the binary, breaking down this idea that it's either this or this, because in reality, it's really everything. And it's all gray and it's all a spectrum. And it's not this way all the time or that way all the time. Sometimes it's this way. Sometimes it's that way. And so it's really giving yourself that permission to evolve and go with where you're at at the moment that you're at in your life. For our listeners that are struggling with with any or all of those things, what do you recommend for them on how they can get started? I would say first that there's not one quick fix. You're not going to find some magic pill that's all of a sudden going to decouple the neuropathways and conditioning that we all have as fully formed adults. The first thing that I would offer up is a sense of curiosity. How can you approach this with curiosity rather than judgment? That's not easy, right? By no means am I saying that it's easy to switch from that judgment-based mindset to that curiosity mindset. But if you can start by imagining perhaps that you're dealing with a friend or someone that you love or someone that you care about, start asking questions of yourself. Start having a conversation with yourself. Start dialoguing with yourself. I talk to myself out loud all of the time. So many of the brilliant people that I know are in constant external and internal dialogue with themselves. So it's all about developing that relationship with oneself and starting with a place of curiosity. And and just approaching it through that lens already is an incredible first step towards building awareness. And building awareness is the first step towards any change or any growth. Now, one of the things you've said, and I think it was during our, our prep session, you talked about inner work. And in and helping your clients to do the inner work, uh, can you explain what is it? Why is it important? How does it work? The inner work comes from within, and it's something that might not be instantly visible, right? You know, this idea that you know I really need to work on my ability to influence others. I really need to work on my vision setting. I really need to work on kind of these core competencies around leadership, and working on those core competencies are certainly important as part of someone's journey. But the inner work that one does is the foundation for starting to work on those other pieces. So one can approach figuring out how to influence others. One can approach setting a vision and then getting folks on board with that vision until they do the work of understanding themselves. 
So I would say that that work is the foundation of these other competencies uh, that come into play in one's leadership journey. And I would also say that it's the continual foundation. So that as one continues to grow, that foundation of inner work is always there supporting the growth. And that inner work is often something that, you know, might not have a nice, beautiful label that we can put on it. It's something that is very personal and very unique to us, but something that we can feel. It's very intuitive. And even that makes people uncomfortable. You know, a lot of times people come to me and say, what is your process? What am I going to get out of this? And it's like, I can't tell you that. You know, I can tell you very uh, large frame that we're going to do some discovery work and then we're going to set your intentions and then we're going to revisit them and see if we need to redesign anything. But but ultimately, that process is going to evolve based on your past, your experiences and who you are and the inner work that needs to be done for you. How do you differentiate inner work from this idea of actualization, right? Like I think it's Maya Angelou who has this you know idea of being fully self-actualized. How do you differentiate those? Or are they the same? From my Buddhist teachings and my Buddhist understandings of self-actualization, I mean, self-actualization is a, is something that none of us will ever achieve or very few of us will actually, will, will eventually achieve. And so I would say that self-actualization is a journey and not an endpoint or a goal. And I would say the same for the inner work. It's not an endpoint. It's a journey. And that inner work will evolve and grow and change and morph depending on your life and what happens for you. What I love about the term inner work is that it's work, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's something that you really have to commit to. And it's something that's very personal and happens within oneself. You mentioned it being a journey. And I know you said earlier, but your company is called Journey On. So maybe now is a good time to talk about where that name came from. Why is the word journey so impactful to you? We're all on a, our own unique journey. And then I would say that we're all on our journey collectively as a humanity as well. A journey has twists and turns and moves in different directions and goes in different ways. And I think that the idea of journey on encompasses two sentiments for me. One, it's very empowering and assertive. And it can certainly be said as, yeah, journey on, keep it up. You can keep, you can do this. You can keep going. And I see that that's very much a role that I play as a coach saying, don't give up. You can do it. Journey on. Um, just continue. And then also I would say that journey on means that the journey started way before our time together and will continue way after our time together. So your journey doesn't begin with me and it doesn't end with me. Um, I just get to walk a chapter of that journey with you. I love that. And it's so powerful because I, you know, it's a, it's a silly analogy, but I often refer to business continuity plans or BCP is that they get put on a shelf and they collect dust. And, you know, it's that broader concept is that of inner work or anything, but, but life is hard and it's going to take constant TLC and it's not something you can just do, put on your shelf and allow it to collect dust. You have to live and breathe it each and every day and continue to work on it. So that really resonates with me. Just want to change gears slightly as part of the work you're doing, you've created a women's leadership community. I think it would be so great if we can dig into that a little bit. If you can share what is it? How does it work? All those good things. 
There's another binary that exists that is really, really important to bring up, which is both the individual learning journey and the community learning journey. What I've heard from women and has certainly been my own experience as well is that oftentimes we feel really alone in this journey of understanding and loving ourselves and becoming the leaders that we want to be. We feel like it's really a me problem. And the reality is, is that this is such a universal experience of all women and being able to come together in community, to bear witness to one another's experiences, to reflect and hold space for one another, to celebrate one another is such a crucial part of the journey that I knew I needed to create a communal space for that to happen. I knew that for me, I wanted that space to be confidential, secure, private. And so I've decided to launch my community on a wonderful platform called Mighty Networks. It is a membership-based network where we actually have a community space that's dedicated 100% for women and power women. We talk about different topics like motherhood, finances, personal leadership, emotional and spiritual well-being. We have a once a month big call with me where I bring up um, topics that I believe are relevant and supportive to the group. And members are able to interact with one another whenever they want in whatever way feels right to them, um, either through posting, through messaging, and through connecting one-on-one. The idea of this is that once you start working with me as a one-on-one client, you'll also get access to this community so that you can be following both paths of growth as the individual doing the individual work and as well as with the community. The community is also open to those who are not working with me one on one. So I wanted to make sure that this space was available to all. My hope is that in knowing that there is solidarity in our experience, in knowing that you're not alone, this really helped and support you in doing the work that's so important that we're doing one on one in coaching as well. Is there any common or hot themes that have come out of that that you think would be worthwhile sharing with our listeners now? Yeah, we had a really interesting conversation where we were talking about the relationship between spending and saving being very similar to diet culture and this idea of how women are consistently constricting themselves and being told that we have to eat less, we have to very carefully measure what we're doing. We should be doing, we should be eating less calories. We should be eating less food. We should be doing things in a very um, constricted way. And similar messages exist around saving. And that ultimately it can be very empowering if spending is taking place from a way that makes sense for your budget and what's right for you. And so really enabling and empowering women to spend money in a way that supports them rather than feeling that they're doing something wrong by spending money. That was something that we were hearing come up, that there was this idea of of there being something wrong in spending money. Um, So really empowering women to make a decision that's right for them rather than giving into this framework around doing less and being less and taking up less space that I think is really indicative of, of this diet culture. And I just thought that was a fascinating comparison that, that Ariel and Jen brought to the table. Yeah, I've never would have thought of that. But when, when you said it, it's like, yes, there is. There totally is this huge connection between the two. It's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And and it's even more ironic, if that's the word, but my mother publishing a book and the book's title is It's Not Just Your Money, It's Life. And the whole concept is around it is okay to spend, that you actually want to make money, not just to save it, but actually to spend it and ultimately the it's life, live your life to the fullest. But I, same as Erica, I never would have made the correlation to the diet concept. So that is really an interesting one. Thank you for sharing that. I unfortunately think we're just about out of time. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you today, but of course, I cannot let you go without asking our last and final question, which is if you can recommend one book or one piece of advice, what would it be? I'm so glad, Jacqueline, because I was really worried that we were going to end without me getting the chance to offer that one recommendation. And I have been really excited to offer this recommendation. I want to offer the recommendation of one of my spiritual teachers who is just, she's such an incredible guide for releasing the shame and guilt that many of us experience as women and as people as who we are. Um, and so her name is Tara Brock. It's B-R-A-C-H. And she's actually based here in Washington, D.C. She has a regular podcast. She has a YouTube channel, all which is accessible for free. And the book that really was the beginning of my journey in my early 20s that my mom shared with me is called Radical Acceptance. And I've shared this book with many, many women, and I would encourage your listeners um, who are getting ready to begin this journey or have been on this journey for themselves to, to pick up this book by Tara, Radical Acceptance. It's a book that I revisit regularly for myself. And one last thing before we finally say goodbye, how can we find you online? Thank you so much for asking that, Erica. I am at www.journeyonleaders.com is my website. Um, And you can also find me on LinkedIn through Journey On or through Jessica Portney. Um, And it is Jessica with a K just for folks out there if you're looking for me. So it's Jessica Portney um, on LinkedIn or journeyonleaders.com. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. I genuinely enjoyed every minute of it, and I can't wait to follow and learn more from you. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for reaching out to me and giving me this opportunity to be on your to be on your podcast. And Erica and Jacqueline, just thank you for such insightful, thoughtful questions um, and for creating this space for women to share these stories and share this information with a larger community. I, I know that it's going to have and is having a really big impact already. So thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you all for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to us as much as we enjoy participating in the conversation. Now your homework is to be sure to like, subscribe, and let us know what you thought about today's discussion. And of course, find us online, 52weeksofme.net with the number five and the number two, and at Instagram at 52weeksofme spelled out. Again, we love emails. So email us at 52weeksofme spelled out at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you all soon. Bye.